Welcome to the Therapist Thrival Guide. My name is Miranda. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Lucas Bellini. Hello. LMFT. Yep. You always say hello before I finish your title. Meager. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping right in. Yeah. Today, we are talking about children's mental health and specifically talking about play therapy. And so we brought on Neil, who is a registered play therapist. Hello. Neil, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So I've been working in the mental health field for, oh, geez, 13 years now. Yeah. Um, I started out doing in-home, uh, what do we call like caseworker stuff yeah. here. It was called BHIST uh, back in Iowa where I'm from. It was and called what? It's called BHIST, so Behavioral Health Intervention Services. Okay. And I was a BHISP, which is a Behavioral Health Intervention Services provider. Okay. Going in home teaching skills. Is that like a CTSS worker in yeah. Minnesota? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that for a while. I kept asking questions of my supervisor whenever I'd have my monthly one-on-ones, and she'd be like, you, that, you don't need to worry about that. You're just a skills person. That's the therapist's job. <laughs> sure. I'm like, well, I want to worry about that. I want to know what that is. So yeah. I went back, I got my master's, and while I was getting my master's, so like almost concurrently, I started doing training for play therapy. Okay, cool. Um, How did you know that was what you wanted to dive right into? I didn't. Oh, really? No. Uh, I, I mean, I worked with kids already, so I knew I wanted to work with young mm -hmm. people. And I got hooked up into play therapy uh, because I went to a friend's wedding. Okay. Strangely enough. Um Friend of mine who sat at the kids' table. No, uh, <laughs> no. A friend of mine uh, was getting married through at the uh, local community theater, which I volunteered at. I've okay. been in plays and musicals, all that stuff. And someone who I've been in shows with um, sat down next to me at the reception, which I've told her this story repeatedly, which actually upset me at the time because I was like, because I didn't know who she was, mm -hmm. and I was like, my wife is supposed to sit next to me. Who are you, <laughs> and why are you sitting there? Uh -huh. Uh, and she's talking, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I hear someone say her name, which is Terry, and I'm like, wait, you're kind of a big deal in the mental health world as oh, really? far as play therapy goes. And so we started talking, and she's like, you know, I think you— Wait, 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 what's her name? Her yeah. name her, so her name's Terry Cotman. Okay. So she's um, she's the creator of Adlerian Play Therapy. She invented Ooh. it. Um, she's written— Several books. Her and I have co-written a couple things together. Oh, my gosh. Um, but anyway, so uh, after we kind of more officially met, we'd met each other before, but after it was more official, she's like, can we talk sometime? Because I think I have, I think I, I know something that you would really like. Mm. And so we met at a coffee shop in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Which one? Cup of Joe. Oh, nice. I went on uh, many dates with my husband there. Yeah. So she she asked me there. She's like, so tell me about your background. What do you want to do? What do you? How do you approach seeing mm -hmm. clients? And you were still in grad school. At I this was point? still in grad okay. school, and I was determined not to be Adlerian. Okay, because my father, who's a clinical psychologist, is Adlerian. I'm just like, I want to be different. And yeah, he's like one of the ideological Adlerians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's Adler. Yeah. So then she starts talking, and then she's talking about Adlerian play therapy, and I'm like, okay. And after she hears how I approach things, she's like, I think you're Adlerian. Okay, what is it? So, like, let's dive into that a little bit more. What sure. does Adlerian mean? What does Adlerian play therapy mean? Sure. So Adler um, developed individual psychology, I think is what it's called, which is he was an offshoot of Freud, mm -hmm. as all of them were. 
Um, he believed in a few core tenets. You know, he believed in the basic goodness of people. He believed that a person's lifestyle uh, is encompassing of who they are, so how they view self, others, the world. And the lifestyle assessment that he developed is one of the most comprehensive, in my opinion, hmm. uh, measures of a person that there is, even today. I use it. Because um, you're going to be looking at birth order. You're going to be looking at family atmosphere. You're going to be looking at um, what uh, functioning at life tasks, personality priorities, these things called crucial Cs. He likes things in groups of four. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that you look at. So it's not just saying, oh, you have uh, you have trauma because of uh, family. You Oh, you have, you know, this, this one, we're going to focus on this area of your psyche. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's really all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. So Adlerian play therapy started because the dominant form of play therapy is child-centered play therapy, which is based on Roger's work. And it's very non-directive. Mm-hmm. Um. Non-directive meaning? Meaning that if I'm pure, if I'm purely child-centered, mm-hmm. person's going to walk into my office and I'm going to track them. You know, I'm going to narrate what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to narrate what they're saying. I'm going to give them unconditional positive regard. And that's mm-hmm. it. You're not going to be like, let's read this book today. No. You're not going to be like, how do you feel about sand tray? Let's, let's do this. Yeah. Or, if, they, if they go to the sand tray, mm-hmm. great. It's there. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to prompt yep. it. You're just following the kid's lead. Yes. Okay. So then how does Adlerian, how is that different? So <laughs> Terry always tells the story and I love it so much. So I repeat it a lot. Mm-hmm. When she was developing it, she basically had a client who said to her, I don't want to butcher the accent, but this is, it was in Texas. Okay. This little girl just says, why is it when we're in the room with all the toys, you tell me, what like you say what I'm doing and I already know that because I did it. Uh-huh. And you and you tell me what I'm saying and I already know that too because mm-hmm. I said mm-hmm. it. Can you just play with me? Can you just not narrate yeah. everything I'm doing? Yeah. And she was just like, Yeah, mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I like Adler because it's so like, okay, of all the theories of play therapy that I've seen, it is the most flexible. Hmm. Do we do the tracking? The narrating sometimes, yeah. In phase one of, of Adlerian play therapy, absolutely. But then we move into, okay, now I'm going to assess your lifestyle. So I might do, let's do an activity that's going to let me know what your family's like. Mm. Let's do something that's going to let me know how confident you are in yourself. What So what sort of activities would help you like oh, know some of those different things? I'm going to give the Adlerian answer, which is going to say it depends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so... Um, Family atmosphere, a lot of times people will default to what's called like a kinetic family something, drawing a sand tray, Mm -hmm. a sculpture. Mm -hmm. I've done it with Lego people, um, that kind of thing. Have the kid build or draw something Yeah. so then you see who's in their family. If I want to assess, uh, so the crucial C's, for instance, which is, oh, geez, I always forget one. Count, courage, connect, and I always forget one. (laughs) And it's always different. Uh, Count's usually the one I forget, but lately it's been something else. There's four of them. Um, Should we Google it? Maybe. No, I don't know. It'll, it'll, it'll be okay. come to you. It'll come to me later. But so if I want to do courage, so I'm like, how courageous is someone? Maybe I'll introduce something they've never seen before and see how they react to it. 
how willing are they to jump into it? I could be as direct as saying, we're going to do a sand tray, and I want you to place figures in there that, when you feel courageous, what is what does that look like mm. using a sand tray? Um, storytelling, a lot of times, mm-hmm. I can figure that out. I'll be like, okay, well, tell me a story with a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Um, which a lot of kids can't do anymore. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when you first start doing play therapy with kids, you're you're assessing them through these different... Mm-hmm. Um, do these different steps. Do you also do more like quantitative assessments like the scared assessment or PHQ-9, GAD-7 sure. sort of yeah. things? Yeah, I do all of that at the beginning. In like uh, the diagnostic in the assessment. the diagnostic assessment, sure. sure, I do all that. Yeah. It's all informative. Um, yep. Because it can give me a direction to go. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe in... Because when it comes to planning the session, for example, I don't think that... First of all, I don't think it's best practice, and I don't even think it's that ethical if you're just going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I want to be intentional. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that it's always going to go that way, because when you work with kids, I can have a plan and be like, this is what we're going to do, and then mm-hmm. they come in, that's not what we're going right, to do. Right, right. <laughs> um, so you have to be flexible and spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I have to is probably a strong word. That's no, I, I think, think yeah. if you work with kids, you have to be flexible, yeah. right? Right. But again, according to some theoretical perspectives, it's like, no, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to, you know, again, if you're child-centered, you're always going to be non-directive. Mm-hmm. Um, which which can almost become directive. Almost. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what, uh, so there's a lot of different things that I would go to as far as interventions, depending on what I want to do for assessing lifestyle. Mm-hmm. There's this thing where I have, I have a game called Dixit. Which I never actually use it for its intended purpose. Okay, I've heard of this game. It's just, it's a game with a bunch of cards with a lot of images on mm-hmm. them. And they're all different. Mm-hmm. And they're all interesting. And so there's something where it's almost like a sand tray where I'll take a pile and be like, here, pick some that attract you and some that repel you. Mm-hmm. So what are the ones that you like? What don't you like? Um, and the ones that you don't care about. Get rid of the ones you don't care about. And then we look for patterns in the ones that mm-hmm. you liked and didn't like. Um, and I'll just start making guesses. Instead of asking questions. So instead of saying, oh, well, what do you... I might ask what drew you to this card first, mm-hmm. and then I'll say, okay. It kind of sounds like I'm kind of feeling like this is what you're you're being drawn toward, or I'm kind of wondering if this is what you're thinking mm-hmm. with this. Um, because if you ask, especially with kids, if you start just questioning over all, you know, throwing them questions, they're going <laughs> to, you're going to lose them. Or you're going to get a lot of I don't knows. Sure. But if I make guesses and I'm wrong, they're going to tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've still learned something. Mm-hmm. And if I make guesses and I'm right, usually I'll get silence or some kind of cue that I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, oh my gosh. And I, I, I go on and on technique-wise. <laughs> so, no, I love that. So there are like certain aspects and domains you want to address mm-hmm. and then you just come up with your own creative spontaneous ways of getting that information or creating yeah. that experience where the kiddo will be able to act out mm-hmm. what it is you're looking to assess for because i think the thing to, important to remember with play therapy is the play is the intervention yeah a lot of people view play therapy as a way to trick kids into talking mm-hmm. yeah um not that there's anything wrong with that mm-hmm. it's just not play therapy uh, my prime example is like, okay, the Jenga tower where you pull the thing and there's a question on it. Yeah. 
It's fine, but it's not play therapy. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. just tricking the kid into talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that I have to explain to parents a lot because kid will leave the office and be like, I played. And so they'll be like, what are you even doing? And I'll be like, you have to remember. The kid's primary form of communication until about the age of 12 is action, not words. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to be there, number one, to give them the environment to play out whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, kids have so many restrictions on even how they can play. Yeah. Um, I have parents come in who are just, oh my gosh, they're so aggressive. Okay. In their play. I'm like, okay. They're five. (laughs) They're playing, you know, playing out stuff they've seen in movies and TV Mm -hmm. and video games on the playground. I think they know the difference between reality and play, but that's something else you explore too. It's like, okay, are you... How how much does your metaphor stay there and does it bleed into reality for mm-hmm. you at all? Um, well, and play is so much more than just rapport building. Mm-hmm. I appreciated what you just said about how that is their primary language. That's yes. how they communicate with the world. It's how they process the world. Um, and it gives you so much insight into what they've been thinking about recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a kid that came in. I mean, I see one kiddo that's six and consistently the last few weeks, she, all she wants to do is play out like these dolls and one of them is pregnant and having a baby. And mm-hmm. like, she just wants to play that. And sure, I mean, before, before mom even told me that she was pregnant, you like knew. I knew because the kid was just playing it out constantly and talking about did it. The, did the kid, was the kid supposed to know that mom was pregnant? No, the kid knew. Oh, yeah, the kid, knew. The kid okay. knew. Yeah. And it wasn't like a secret, but. I always think it's interesting when the kid, like the parents are like, oh, like, you know, mom's pregnant, uh-huh. but they haven't told the kids yet, but kid already knows. That's so funny. <laughs> because kids know way more. Oh, yeah. Than parents oh, yeah. think they do. What common diagnoses are you seeing? Mm-hmm. And like, what do you feel like? play therapy is good for? Sure. Common diagnoses I see. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of depression. Are there age ranges of kids you see? I see. So I will go all the way to two. Okay. Uh, if, if they're two or three, typically that's with parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, and I'll go all the way. I think my oldest client that I've ever had and done play therapy with was 70. Oh, See, this is this is part of what I want to get into later too. It's just like doing play therapy with adults, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, okay, that's helpful. To yeah, know. yeah. So uh, common diagnoses, yeah. I see a lot of anxiety. I see a lot of depression. Um, I used to see a lot of uh, oppositional defiant hmm. uh, back in Iowa. I'd seen less of it up here. I don't know why. I wonder if that's a cultural thing. Yeah, or like even like a graduate program training thing maybe because i know a lot of faculty at least the faculty i know throughout this state um kind of share the opinion on oppositional defiant disorder that it's just something to not pathologize a kid with yeah yeah there, there are for the most part i think a lot of times when terms like that are thrown around um yeah i, I don't want to go there there's a couple times where i'm like oh okay mm-hmm. yeah you know kid who's Destroying property, setting stuff on fire, mm-hmm. being violent daily. Okay. But the kid who gets in a fight in the playground every now and then, mm-hmm. no. ADHD is another one. Although, again, one that I don't always like to go right to, mm-hmm. especially if the kid's under six. Because, mm-hmm. number oh, one, yeah. you can't diagnose an under six. People want to. People do. You know, 
but but that's not you know kids hyper therefore mm-hmm. kids should be <laughs> yeah. kids should be hyper yeah, it's like have you seen a puppy yeah um so those are the ones i probably see most some ptsd okay um and do you feel like play therapy is a good a good modality for all of these diagnoses? Hundred percent. Yes. So let yeah, like let's dive into this a little bit more. What are some what are some interventions that you see with play therapy? What what do you like about play therapy? Oh geez, what do I like? <laughs> um, first of all, I like that you're like we like I said earlier, play is is the is the native language of children. So you're talking in their native language. You're giving them a space because you're talking in their native language. That means that they're allowed to express what they want, how they want. And outside of like in my playroom, for instance, there aren't very many rules. It's basically just let's try and respect each other and don't break my stuff. (laughs) Um, Beyond that, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's whatever it needs to be for the kiddo. Yeah. I've had kids who apologize sometimes. They'll be like, oh, this, this, I was, I was rough with this, or uh, these characters are being kind of mean. And I'm like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do what you need to do. Um, but yeah, depending on, so intervention wise, I mean, because you asked, what am I, what do I, uh, almost like what my go to is. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. And that's, and there's, that's like picking who's your favorite kid. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I'm just thinking like if you're if you're interested in becoming a play therapist mm-hmm. or involving some play therapy into your practice, yeah. what like what are some tools or games? I mean, you mentioned Dixit, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that people should be like okay. stocking up on? I okay. guess. Yeah. So that 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 helps. Um if you're just looking at, because here's the thing, you can do play therapy and not be a registered play therapist. You just can't say you're a registered play therapist. That's, that's, a that's big, an important That's note. a very yep. important thing. Because um, I've known people when I've taken classes who just took the classes to know the techniques. They mm-hmm. didn't want the certification. Yep. Um, but so basic, some kind of basic interventions that I've kind of used. So kinetic family drawing is one which I mentioned earlier, you could also do that with stickers. So it's like, okay, make your family, draw mm-hmm. them however you want. In whatever, like, I've, I've seen kinetic family drawings of instruments. Every family member was a different instrument. Hmm. Of fish in aquarium, of animals in a zoo. I love that. People. Yeah. It just depends. Yeah. Um, or, person doesn't want to draw, um, stickers. Mm-hmm. Place, I should own stock in Hobby Lobby or Michael's because I go there all the time just <laughs> for stickers. Um, sand tray, I'll get into sand tray later, but I would say that's not sand tray is is a more advanced skill. Mm. Um, I love it, so I'll, I'll talk about that <laughs> later. Mm-hmm. But as far as just dipping your toe in, I probably wouldn't go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, I would get. I tell a lot of people like get uh get a dollhouse mm-hmm. with some uh family figures miniatures. Try and get something that's looking more gender neutral mm-hmm. because I've seen, I've had dollhouses that are bright pink and boys won't go near them. Even mm-hmm. if I say there's no such thing as a, as a girl dollhouse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try and, and do that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot. So doing like family sculpting using figures. Obviously, if the family, if the whole family's in, I'll have them get up and be like, okay, sculpt each, you know, like if mm-hmm. you're the sculptor, okay, everyone, you're clay. 
They get to position you however they want. <laughs> Show me what an average day in your house looks like. But if the family's not there, I do it with figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I do it with, with miniatures. Um, games. So I use tabletop games a lot and a few that I really like. So there's one called Zombie Dice. Zombie Dice? Zombie Dice, yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cup with 13 dice in it. And basically, it's a press-your-luck game where you're rolling dice mm. to try and get brains because you're the zombies. Mm-hmm. So you want to eat brains. Yeah. And if you uh, go to, like, but there's also these little explosion-y symbols, like booms. Mm-hmm. And if you roll too many of those, you lose all your brains. So it's like Farkle. It's like Farkle, okay. yeah. You keep going until you either say stop uh-huh. or until you get, like, three explosions and you mm-hmm. just don't get anything. Mm-hmm. Why I use that? Number one, it's easy. It's mm-hmm. fast. Um Number two, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And number three, it's about knowing when to quit. That mm. is something very telling for me. I've had kids who will... I've had kids who will, like, roll two booms and no brains, so you have nothing to lose, but they stop. Because hmm. they're like, I don't... I'm not going to get anything. And I'm like, wow. So you really don't... You know, they're already really down on themselves. Hmm. Um, what do you say? Like, do you do you point that out, or what do you say? Sure, yeah, I will. Uh, so, so I could just repeat it back, mm-hmm. or I could do what's called metacommunication, which is to say, "Huh, I noticed that you you didn't roll again. I'm wondering if maybe you don't believe you could get something good." Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not asking a question. I'm just saying, "I wonder. I mm-hmm. guess." And they may not say anything, and that's fine. I don't need to pressure for that. Mm-hmm. I'm just planting the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because the other thing about um, in, in a lot of theories, but Adlerian specifically, is we're trying to help the client gain insight. And so that's why we we narrate some things or meta-communicate things that we've noticed. Mm-hmm. Because we want, because so many people do things that they're even, un, that they're totally unaware of that's how they do things. Yeah. So if you point it out gently... And, and with compassion, then someone might say, oh, I didn't realize I did that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I want to change that. Um, so, yeah, something simple like a zombie dice game, I can get a lot just from that. If I have a family, I'm going to make them play a cooperative game. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? Because I want to <laughs> see how well they can do it. Um, I want to see... So a uh, cooperative game, for example, would be uh, Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island. Okay. Probably ones that I go to a lot, which is just, you're on an island, you have to get treasure before it sinks into the ocean. And you're all working together. You're all working together. You against the game. You all win or mm-hmm. you all lose. And it's very interesting if I have a family because I've seen it where, like, okay, you're all working together, but they'll introduce competition. Oh, Sure. Siblings will do that. Sometimes the parents and child will mm-hmm. do that. Um, let's see, does someone take charge right away? How does everyone respond to that? Mm-hmm. Um, if we all lose, does blame start getting thrown around? Mm. That kind of thing. Gives me a lot on the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then, again, do you kind of narrate some of those things? Sometimes. It mm-hmm. depends. <laughs> or you just, like, write, write it down in your notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm very early, sometimes I'll just, I might reflect or, or mm-hmm. track, but I'm not, I'm building rapport. Mm-hmm. A little later phase, then, yeah, I'm definitely going to be um, 
metacommunicating mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> the one the one family that comes to mind when I used I, I've used a board game. I used Settlers of Catan way back. Three brothers could not get along, mm-hmm. and I'm saying. You all win. This is supposed to be one one person wins, everyone anyone yeah. loses. I said, all three of you win if you can beat me. Oh, there you go. And they couldn't do it for the oh. longest time. They could not do it. They would let me shift focus off of me and put it back on to competing with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying as I'm doing it, like even before I say something, I'm like, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and and Make you do something against him. Mm-hmm. And they fell for it mm-hmm. <laughs> for a while. But after a while, it started getting better. And then after I helped them gain insight about what happens in the game, um, I'm going to say, let's take this to the real world. Mm-hmm. To the point of, I've had two moments. That was one of them where a parent comes and said, what did you do? It's like, I don't know what did I do? Uh-huh. They're not fighting anymore. Mm-hmm. What did you do? And I'm mm-hmm. like, we played a game. Mm-hmm. I pointed stuff out. Why do you think that's so helpful? Like, how? Why do you think that it's helpful for kids to be doing some of these things in session, and then like, how does it translate to the real world? One reason I think it's helpful is because they're able to. So, so many times, if kids are being want behavior, when people want a behavior correct or correct behavior that a kid has, it's not. You know, it's done through scolding. It's done through lecturing. Mm-hmm. It's done through. It's all cognitive. Yeah, it's all cognitive. This, first of all, is a medium that's more attractive to them, mm-hmm. and and the way I take it to the real world is once I've established that rapport, once I've helped them gain insight, then I'm going to say something like, you know, I noticed that this happened in the game, and I wonder, I'm I'm or maybe I'm guessing that this happens not just when we play games. Mm-hmm. Guessing there's other times that mm-hmm. something like this has happened. And now we can start a dialogue. Once you get to phase, like, so Adlerian has four phases. Adler loves four. <laughs> the fourth phase is when there's a little bit more talking. Okay. And you um, go through the phases with the clients. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to build rapport. I'm assessing lifestyle. I'm helping them gain insight. And then the fourth phase is called uh, reorientation, reeducation. Mm-hmm. We're still going to practice, but it's a lot of skill practice, like all the stuff we've been building on. Now let's practice these skills. Let's take them to the real world. Let's get you where you want to be. And and it's about, like, it's about the experience. Yes. You know, it's like you can tell three siblings to get along better, mm-hmm. but it's like they, one, all they've ever known is how to compete mm-hmm. and not get along. Mm-hmm. They don't really know what to change to get along. They don't trust that if I do it as an individual, they're going to do it too. Mm -hmm. They're worried about losing then, Mm -hmm. you know, if that ends up being the case and they don't have any sense or reference of like, what's, what's the incentive in doing that? What's Mm -hmm. the incentive in me changing to get along better with my siblings? But when you put them in that dynamic and they experience the effect of getting along better with their siblings and how much better it feels, it's like now they have a new reference point that they can look to and reconsider how they go about engaging with them moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's a reference point that I can reference. Yeah. Like, we got in a fight. Well, remember when you did this? Mm-hmm. You were able to get along really well to, to accomplish that. I love the Settlers of Catan example and like making them work together, mm-hmm. the cooperative games. I think that's brilliant. Do you do a lot of family sessions then? Yeah. Okay. Um, I work a lot. I, I do a little, I mean, yeah, I've, I've done... I do plenty of individual. I do plenty of family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Probably like a mix of both, even with both. clients. Yeah. Sure. Even, even couples I've done play therapy with. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, I want to, before we jump into that, because I feel like you keep saying things and I'm like, we need to get back to that. We need to keep talking about that. But um, what are some other games or things that you would recommend sure. therapists have? Um, so I said, uh, like a dollhouse, having smart supplies mm. can be a good thing. Um, do so at your own discretion. I used to have a lot, I used to have a lot more variety than I do now, just based on what I wanted to deal with. Mm. Like glitter? Like glitter. <laughs> glitter, once it gets places, it never leaves. No. Um, so if I use glitter now, it's not in my office. It's Mm-mm. outside of my office. Uh, Play-Doh is another one, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Play-Doh a lot, but... Kids want to mix it up. They want yeah. to, they, you know, it gets, in, it gets in carpets. It gets in, you know, so if you don't want to <laughs> deal with that. You can't tell them they can't do that in play therapy. Right. I mean, you, you can, but I don't want to create that many. Yeah, limits. then you're just another yeah. parent. You know? Right, yeah. right. There are, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, there are still some limits. Mm-hmm. Um, my closet is arranged in a way. My, my toy closet, uh, I need a second one, actually. But my <laughs> first, my the one I have right now is arranged to basically what I tell kids is that when they say, what can I play with? I was like, you can play with what you can reach. Mm. So there's stuff that's meant for some older kids. It's up high. Yeah. I don't want three-year-olds going for that. Sure. Um, that makes sense. So, I mean, that's one limit I have, mm-hmm. but I haven't really had a problem um, with that. Let's but, switch. Yeah, let me circle back yeah, to yeah, answering your original question. Um, so having art supplies, games that I have. So I have a few, like what I call infect vectors. Um, zombie dice is one. Forbidden mm-hmm. Island is one. A game called Suro, T S U R O, which is about being a dragon and being on a path and trying to stay on the board while there's other dragons on a path trying to stay on the board, and eventually you'll either run into each other or you'll be forced off. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of being like, okay, I have to, I can make a plan, but I have to be spontaneous and flexible at the same time. Do you, uh, do you play a lot of these games? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so like that's, I think that's a big piece too to point out is like the congruency between how you play as a play therapist with clients and just who you are mm-hmm. as a person mm-hmm. and an mm-hmm. individual. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't pretend to be a play therapist. I, I did that for a year. It was painful. <laughs> it was hard. I was just doing existential talk therapy with these second yeah. graders. Um, <laughs> and I was constantly just having their parents come in to do couples therapy, which I kept getting in trouble for because mm-hmm. we were in an elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you could see that that was more of the oh, issue. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I could tell that's where I'd be more effective in yeah. helping this kiddo. Uh-huh. Um you know, and so like when you're you're identifying the games that you play, mm-hmm. you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean play the games that you, Neil plays because right. mm-hmm. yeah. you choose those games yes. because you know how to leverage them. Mm-hmm. Like you get the imagination that was put into these games and how to use that to create metaphors. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the the games you choose to situate in your office, the toys, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's be things that you're familiar with, yes. you know, that you yourself mm-hmm. can play with mm-hmm. actively. Mm-hmm. And that's probably more what it's about than, you know, getting a concretized list that's of such these a good items. Point. Yeah. Yes. No, yes. that makes a lot of sense. Also, um, get some stuff that you're, that you're, you discover your clientele is interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have Fortnite figures <laughs> because kids play Fortnite. I have a Minecraft game and figures. I'm so good at Fortnite. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> well. 
I can, I can, I, I can really beat my eight year old daughter, but not, not my, my 11 year old son just runs surfing. I was going to say, beating their kids who I'm just like, and like right now, me and my friends, when we play, it's like, Kids need to go back to school because they're getting all the wins that we can't oh, get. Oh, funny. Any. But that is significant. Like, is. I, I never played video games ever at any point in my life. I always thought they were stupid mm-hmm. and a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But when my son started getting really into Fortnite and I started playing with him to enter into his world, mm-hmm. like, I, it, it did so much for our relationship. I learned so much about mm-hmm. him in his world. And yeah, like, it, it added an element to our relationship that, nothing else could have mm-hmm. yeah. if it weren't for me stepping into his world and in, in, on his terms. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a really good point. And it's something that you taught me like a year and a half ago because mm-hmm. I interviewed Neil for the social media post that we were making and it was the first time we had ever talked. Mm-hmm. But um, I had asked you a question about like, what if parents don't like playing with their kids or like have a hard time playing with their kids? What advice would you give them? Sure. And you had like... Do you remember what you had said or what your advice Not is? Not specifically. I have, an, I have an answer now, but I don't yeah, remember my specific me, answer. Tell me what your answer is. So if, if parents have trouble playing or being involved with their kids, I mean, first of all, step into their world. Mm-hmm. Figure out what they are interested in and just be there and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to participate right away, mm-hmm. but also be willing to let them teach you something. Yeah. Um, and on top of and, – and then other than that, like – if you can just be there, like I teach parents how to track, just be like, oh, I noticed you just, you're doing that right now mm-hmm. or, or restate content. Um, being present is the most important thing and not being judgmental. Mm-hmm. And I, so, I mean, you said the same thing before too, but I think that that has helped me, that advice from a year and a half ago help, has helped me as a parent. And it's also helped me as a therapist, because I think to myself, like, how can I just be present in this moment with this kid? How can I just like n- leave my agenda Mm-hmm. leave, you know, like this is what I was planning on doing for this session or this is what I I really want my two-year-old to, I, I would rather play with this puzzle, you know, but mm-hmm. clearly she's not interested. And mm-hmm. and just being able to take a step back and be like, what's actually going to be helpful for this relationship and what she's going to find more fun is if I just follow what she wants to do. And yeah. right now that is just changing her baby doll's diaper a hundred times a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then just being okay with that. And <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, so, okay, I talked about, like, child-centered, and that's most of what they do. Mm-hmm. But at Larian early phase, that's what we do. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, child-led. What do you, you know, let me, you explore the playroom, and let me just be in it with mm-hmm. you. Um, and I teach, uh, I've also done uh, parent-child interactive therapy. And that's, like, the first part of that mm-hmm. is just, like, teaching parents, like, don't ask questions, don't give commands, let the child mm-hmm. lead. Mm-hmm. And just... Be present. Yeah. And show that you're present by that's the, the, like, so when we talk about narrating, like, cause I feel like I've bad mouth narrating a little bit. The reason you do it is to say to the kid, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You matter. I see you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're just pointing out not to use it as an exclusive intervention yeah, because yeah, that well, gets robotic and annoying and kind I mean, of aimless if that's all you're ever yeah, doing. Yeah. It depends on your theory because I'm not going to, again, child-centered, it's not my theory, but I get, it's been the main for so long and it's done good. I don't want to say it isn't. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that narrating is, because they would say doing that is necessary and sufficient. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it's necessary. It's not always sufficient. Sometimes it is. Yeah. 
but not always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like if I were to be having a conversation with you and I just repeated back to you everything that you said, you right. know, like, like I, I would just stop talking to you. Yeah. I mean, for real, it, it's, it's like you, it's like when you learn motivational interviewing and like the summarizing or some of those different reflecting things, whatever. And then you just only do that. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, sure. Am I as helpful? But there are things like there is some, you need to go a little further than that. Uh, you need to be a human with your own thoughts, yeah. right, you know, right. autonomy and input. Yeah. Um, and I, So I, what I'm hearing you say is... <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah. You're, um, no hearing problems on your own, yeah. Parker. Yeah. Um, audio is coming through clean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most important questions that I always ask young parents or new parents or parents approaching parenthood is, like, how do you remember grownups playing with you as a kid? How do you remember playing as a kid? Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of grownups don't know how to play. And that might be because they never really played mm-hmm. or they never saw what it looks like for a grownup to play. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the second one, especially yeah. because, I mean, heck, I forgot how to play for a while. Yeah. Um, and so adults do lose that. Mm-hmm. You're, told, yeah. you're told at some point, like, okay, I remember a point when I played with toys and then when it started transition, when I was like going to middle school, and then my parents are like, "Okay, let's. We're not going to get you that anymore. You're mm. you're growing out of it." Now I collect toys again. So <laughs> so. Yeah, that was that was an very Adlerian <laughs> of was, them, right? Well, this was before my dad was an Adlerian oh. psychologist. He was a oh. band director at the time. Okay. Um, That's powerful, though, Lucas. Like um, just even thinking about how did people play? How did adults play with you? How did you play as a kid? And yeah. Because so yeah. many times I think the answer is if you ask an adult, how did adults play with you when you were a kid? The answer I think most of the time is they didn't. Yeah, yeah. they didn't. You know, yeah. and that's something I certainly had to figure out as a young father was how to play. And I would say what really helped was when I stopped thinking about it in the terms of how do I play with my son mm-hmm. and more so just how do I play again? Mm-hmm. You know, and really examining like were there any aspects of my life where I was actually playing? And being playful and just finding joy in things. Mm-hmm. And there hadn't been because I was a grad student for like ever, mm-hmm. you know, and um, life was busy. It was stressful. I had jobs and, you know, you, you get lost in that. But one of Carl Whitaker's tips for helping therapists stay emotionally alive is to uh, always be childish and playful with your mate. Mm-hmm. You know, and play with your mate, mm-hmm. you know, and never stop playing. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps, you know, kind of that childlike energy alive in us, which can be a huge catalyst to connecting with the children in our lives. Mm -hmm. The other thing I I tell people a lot is take notice of how kids treat metaphor. Mm. So kids play in metaphor all the time. But are they the kind of person who is going to be coming out of it or are they going to be the person who's always going to stay in it? Example. Um, I was at a family gathering with my uh, nieces and their my my wife's mother, my mother in law, and then the the, the girls are playing. Um, they're playing um, with uh, Frozen, like they have a Frozen castle, mm-hmm. and they have, they have Elsa and Anna and all the characters. It's great. And uh, we get there, and I see that Grandma, my mother in law, is playing with them, and the characters are getting into conflict. Mm-hmm. Grandma comes out of the metaphor and is like, no, wait, 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 we don't, you know, we don't, that's not how we treat people. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking they're not treating people that way their characters are. They're, I can't believe that people the... have the audacity to play in front of you, Neil. Like, know, aren't right? they just expecting you to psychoanalyze everything? <laughs> um, 
Strangely enough, no. <laughs> well, no, because with the kids, I just play with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the adults I'm psychoanalyzing. Oh, sure. So then when you saw Grandma do this. When I saw Grandma do this, what I wanted to do is just be like, stop breaking the metaphor and just stay in it with them. I love it. I didn't because yeah. it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> you can't but, tell your mother-in-law what to do. No, I cannot. <laughs> much as I'd love to. But that's the point. It's like, okay, if the kid wants to stay in the metaphor, yeah. stay in the metaphor. Mm-hmm. So if I'm playing as a character, I'm not going to address the kid and be like, well, what are you... Um, and, and talk to them about what they're playing. I'm going to address the character mm-hmm. as my character. Mm-hmm. I'm staying in the metaphor. This is a really good distinction. Mm-hmm. Yes. I. Yes, this is yeah. so important. Now, there are kids who will go in and out, mm-hmm. who will... You'll be playing and then they'll come out and say, hey, what do you think if we did this? Uh-huh. Then I can do that. I'm following their lead though, yeah. when it comes to metaphor. Then you have kids who won't do metaphor at all. Mm-hmm. I don't have as many of them, but I have some kids that are very, very, very literal. <laughs> if I do a sand tray with them, they'll put a horse in there. I'll be like, well, what is that supposed to be? It's a horse. It's a horse in a desert. <laughs> it's a horse Neil. in a desert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stop patronizing. Stop me. it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, we're not doing metaphors. Cool. Yeah. So what do you do with those kids? It with seems kids, like play therapy would be a lot harder for kids that don't do sure. metaphors. Um, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to do a lot of like things where I want them to create stories. Mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce ones that already exist. Um, a lot of those kids, I can still do a lot of artistic stuff with them because they'll draw me stuff that just really happened. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um. Or they'll do sand trays. It's just like, okay, I have to be, I have to realize with this person, I'm not going to ask you a lot of questions about, because normally I'm not going to label things. Mm -hmm. When someone does a sand tray, I'm not going to say, oh, what's the horse? Because I don't want to say it's a horse until you tell me it is. Mm. But if I realize they're really literal, I'll be like, okay, so this looks like a family. Kind of looks like your family. Because then they'll be like, yeah. So I I just want, I want to take note of that. Mm Mm-hmm. You're taking a lot of leads from your clients because mm-hmm. it's about them at the end of the day. Yeah. And while I have agendas, I want to send the message to them because my job is the, is not, you do not need me to fix you. You don't need to be fixed. You're not broken. I'm just here to offer you some tools and you have the power to, to, to make it work. Mm. Um, that's what I want them to to realize because so many adults in their lives tell them what to do, how to do it, how to think. And I'm there to say, think how you want. Yeah. Be free. Yeah. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is a canvas, you know, Mm -hmm. and you get to create whatever you want in here. Mm -hmm. And I I think a lot of emerging play therapists need to kind of just get that pep talk to, of convincing them that what they're doing is truly therapeutic. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and that at the end of the day, it's like the relationship in and of itself will always be therapeutic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you could bank on that, but you're creating an experience of play that isn't replicated in any other dimension of their life mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and that's what that's where that's what's therapeutic about it. Yeah. The only yeah, the one thing I add to that when I talk to emerging play therapists is like be intentional. Mm-hmm. Have a reason for what you're doing. Or at least an inkling of a reason of what you're doing. Yeah. Um because again, if you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, you're not like <sighs> You're wasting spaghetti. How do you write a case note about that? How do you write a case note about that? But also, you know, if you're being intentional, be willing to make stuff up. Yeah. Because um, 
when I took a class with Terry, that was one of the things she said to us um, was like, look, all the stuff that you're reading that I wrote, I just made it up. So I give you permission to make up interventions, to Mm -hmm. make up activities. Mm -hmm. Everything that's psychological in this world, somebody made up. (laughs) So go do that. Mm -hmm. So for therapists that are interested in Mm -hmm. becoming play therapists, what are some resources, tools that you would recommend? Sure. Go to a a wedding with Terry. (laughs) Go to a wedding with Terry Cotman, yeah. Um, so first of all, uh, if you want to know like all the, the what you need to do, I think the website is a4pt.org, mm-hmm. which is the, or just look up Association for Play Therapy. I can put the link in the description yeah. too. Um, they will they have their outlines. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a registered play therapist, which again you don't need to do to do play therapy, but if you want to be registered, there's a whole you need you need the right kind of um, education courses. Which if you take a master's level. Um, counseling course or Mm -hmm. LFT or any of that, you'll get all that. Mm -hmm. Then you have to take uh, play therapy specific courses and you have to have, you have to do play therapy and you have to be supervised. Mm -hmm. They do it in a weird tier system where it's like, okay, first tier you need this many hours of doing it, this many hours of education and this many hours of supervision before Mm -hmm. you can move on to the next tier. Um. But it takes about two years to get that credential. Yeah. Um, classes, like every, like okay, every year the play play therapy association for play therapy does a convention, a national one, um, where you can go and take tons of classes. Cool. But they're also, I mean, look it up. They're they're all over the place. Mm. Um, so yeah, do you need the certification? No. Does it open some doors for you? Yes. Yes, it like does. What? So, getting on the Thrival Guide podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is that is number one right there. <laughs> uh, there's a couple people in my office who are still building caseloads. They're like, oh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build caseloads for me. I'm like, that is never, never mm-hmm. hard. Well, and our, since you're a registered play therapist, does that mean you're on like their website as mm-hmm. a? So then mm-hmm. you can people can look up play therapists and mm-hmm. find you that yep. way too. Sure. There are people who are looking specifically for play therapists. Yep, yeah, when I was looking for therapy for my kiddo, like I was very intentional to find someone who was a registered mm-hmm. play therapist. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's not a ton of them. No, there wasn't. Um, well, because it's a process. Yes, to get it's a process. License, or to get to get registered that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a whole lot you can do. Um, so like I said, you could get, you could just take a few courses and be like, oh, I want to know how to do Sandrea. I want to know how to mm-hmm. do just some, some basic play therapy stuff. Cause I work with kids. Great. Do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you're really gung ho and like, I want to be, I want to be registered. I want to, I want to know all the things yeah. I want to Cause you also have to like your licensure, you have to do continuing education mm-hmm. to keep the registration mm-hmm. going. Um, be it either attending classes or, or, or teaching them, uh, which I've done a couple times. No, that makes sense. I feel like we need to have you back on to talk specifically about Santre and then also like how to be doing play therapy with couples or adults. Oh, I, would do I mean, that. I think yeah. that Yeah, that'd be a good one. Um yeah, especially because so we're releasing this episode in August because it's Children's Mental Health Month. Mm-hmm. But um but October we're gonna be doing a bunch of content all around all around couples therapy. And so I'm like 
dang, I need to have you back, Neil. This is so it. good. I would do it. Yeah. Because yeah, I work, yeah, I've used play therapy with adults. I've used, and Santray, I could talk a whole time about Santray. I love it. Yeah. Um, I could talk a whole time about, like, I want to, I've thought about doing, like, uh, uh, even a thing in my own content creation of being like, I'm going to make a video of, about, about a board game once a week. Mm. Be like, here's something you can play with your family. That oh, would be, I love it. would be fun for, for you. That's cool. Or doing something on, here's how you get involved in video games if you aren't in that world at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other last tips, advice for therapists that are interested in doing play therapy? Be willing to go into it. With a, I mean, be, have an open mind. Be able to be willing to, you know, get down on the floor. Mm-hmm. To let the child lead sometimes. To make stuff up. <laughs> Learn to do a few voices. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, like your little Texas girl like accent. My little Texas, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just a few character voices here uh-huh. and there. can. It's amazing to me how much that can... Like I've seen kid when I will adopt a different voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, they get do into it. it. They do, love, it. do a voice. Oh, geez. Um, okay. So if I'm doing like a really um, menacing voice, I might talk like this. Oh, that's good. And make them think that something dark and evil is lurking <laughs> around the corner. That's Something perfect. like that. Yeah. Wow. I, oh, I, I love I, it. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just not built to be a play therapist. <laughs> Absolutely. I have one voice. Oh, That's um, so good. And I do that. You can do that. You know, I can talk through action figures or, or puppets. I'm not a huge, but I have some puppets that mm-hmm. I've, you know. Uh, for some reason, I have a dragon who um, <clears throat> talks like he's an old British man, <laughs> even though he's just a three-headed dragon. That's just his voice. I don't voice, know why. Though. That's just his voice now. Oh my god! Three gosh. heads, one voice. Yeah, it's British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for yeah. joining, Thanks Neil. For this has been great. so much good information, yeah. and I'm excited to have you back. Soon. I'm excited to be back. Awesome. And when I make my first movie trailer, you'll be doing the voiceover. Yes. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thank awesome. You. Thanks.